The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Well, hello, everybody. Jason is not with me in the studio tonight. He is working. You know, he works for Narcanon Suncoast, which is a residential rehab. And, you know, there's just no end to addiction right now. And so he's a working dude. So that's what he's doing. And this is episode 83. And I'm super excited because I have, I will have on the phone tonight, I will be doing an interview with a uh, recent graduate from Narcanon. She's a young woman. She graduated in August of 2018. And I did get to meet her. She's uh, got quite an awesome story to tell. But in addition to her story, her name is Emily. In addition to Emily's story, we're also going to hear her mom's story, Linda's story. And it's, it's a heart wrenching story, but it's, it has such a happy ending. And I know that, um, I know that somebody listening, this story is going to resonate with them and they're going to understand what Emily was going through. And I think, I hope they're going to be inspired by where she's at now. So without further ado, let me get Emily and her mom, Linda on the phone. Okay. So, hello, Emily and Linda. I want to thank you guys so much for sharing your story on the podcast. Um, I just think that with every story that we do, it's going to resonate with somebody. And I think that that's just hugely important. So, let's start with Emily. Emily, can you tell me or tell us how how did you get started on drugs? How did your journey start there? Um, so <laughs> honestly, well, I mean, probably when I was like 12 or 13, like was the first time I ever like tried alcohol and drank. And like it was fun, but it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's just like that's what I'll do when I'm older. When I turn 21, like I can drink a whole bunch then. But it was actually um, when I was 15, um, I started smoking weed because I had friends that smoked weed. And I was just like, okay, well, like, I don't want them to stop being my friends just because I don't smoke weed. So I was like, yeah, like, I'll try it. Like, I'll, I'll smoke with them. And so smoked and it was just like instant like love I was just like yep like this is this is gonna change my life like this is gonna make me be the person who I want to be like yep just gonna be a pothead forever like this this is it and then like so through high school mainly just like smoked weed and drank on the weekends I played rugby through high school so I was like really active but you know that I just on the weekends partied a lot though when when I didn't have games and stuff like that um uh so that was pretty much just pretty easy but everything got really bad more so when I got out of high school so I was kind of like a late bloomer per se or you could say um I think I was like 20 or 21 when the first time um I I was I was 20 the first time like I I tried heroin And it was kind of like, like, yeah, like, this is fun, but I was like, this isn't what I want to do all the time necessarily, but then I started doing it all the time anyways. But um, right before my 21st birthday, though, I I stopped doing it, I guess, because I thought, oh, okay, well, now I can drink legally, like, I don't need to do that. Um, And I kind of, I stopped, I just stopped, and I didn't have any of that dope sickness or, like, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is easy. Like, if I ever wanted to pick that up again, like, then, yeah, like, no problem. Like, because I, I didn't get all that bad stuff that everyone says they get. Like, I didn't throw up. I didn't have diarrhea. I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I was like, oh, this will be great. Um, so I didn't, I didn't touch it for, like, two years then, like, after that, I think. It was, like, so 21, then, like, probably right around when I was 23 is when I picked it back up. And... Um, I actually didn't start doing heroin at first. I started doing oxys and, uh, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I forgot how incredible this is. Like, I feel so good. Like work's more fun. Like, like this is just 
this is so great. I love this. <laughs> and then it came to a point where it was like two weeks and my uh, drug dealer couldn't get oxys, and I was like so sick. And I was just like, and he's like, I can't get any for a week. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? I was like, I feel miserable. I was like, I can't go to work. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, I knew, like, some of my friends did heroin, though. So I was like, okay, well, I was like, you know, heroin's cheaper than Oxy's anyways. I was like, I'm just going to go back to doing that. And that just started the whole, my whole downfall. Um once I picked up heroin again that time, it was just like, that was like, I thought it was going to fix everything. And like, that's what killed all my pain that I was feeling or like, you know, all the emotional pain that I felt or anything. Basically I, I stopped feeling anything after because I, I chose to, I just wanted to wrap myself up in heroin and it seemed to seem to do the trick at first. Right. Linda, when when um, Emily was like 12 and 13 and then into high school and smoking marijuana, what did you observe? What did you think was going on or what did you see? Well, for Emily, um, she's the third. I have, uh, she has an older brother and older sister. And um, I just, she just never seemed like she fit in like with school. She was very athletic and I could just see some things in her, like maybe a little lack of self-esteem. And so I sent her, you know, in for some counseling and she seemed to come around from that, you know, okay. And um, I'm like, yeah, she's doing a lot better. So I said to her, you pick something to get involved in because you're very athletic. Uh, and she did. At first, she did basketball. You know, then it went to the rugby. And so I kind of, you know, saw some things. But one day, after Emily had left, my husband said, I smell pot. And I'm like, well, we call it pot. I guess they call it weed now. <laughs> and I said, really? So we go back to Emily's room, and I'm sniffing. Yeah, yeah. So we start looking around, and he finds it. And that's it. So we take it. We, you know, and Emily comes home and realizes, I guess she goes looking for it, that it's gone. So she knew right away. And she comes down and... um she, you know, I can't remember if she came to us or we went to her and then she just started crying and she's like, I'm never doing this again. And, and I'm like, well, you're grounded and you're not getting your weed back. That's for sure. And, uh, whatever else, I think there was a pipe in there. So, you know, she cried and cried and she's like, I'm so sorry. I never want to hurt you guys, which I heard that quite a bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then she, um, so that was it. And, you know, I had no idea like drug addiction. So I just thought, okay, that's going to be it. And when I was in high school, I mean, I went to some parties where kids, you know, smoked some pot or weed and, you know, that was it. Right. And like nobody had, like this addiction problem. And so my husband and I just thought, okay, like, this is it. Like she's over it. She, she got grounded for this and you know, we're moving on. Right. And so, you know, she went through her high school years. Um, she did not love high school or being in a brick and mortar. So 11th grade, I said, would you like to do cyber school? Yes, mom. Thank you. I would love that. Okay. But here's the deal. Your grades have to be on target. You get up every day like you're going to school, get your work done, da-da-da. She did it. Great. So other than that, like, I didn't really see any real signs then. It wasn't until when she said, you know, into her 20s. Oh. And she was living out on her own and just typical user, never coming to see us. I wouldn't hear from her. But 
I just thought she was involved in her life, you know, and I would text her here and there. And I mean, we would have dinners, get togethers. She would come, but she was always late. Or if she did come, she didn't stay. Mm-hmm. And my husband just kept saying, you know, like, you know, she's irresponsible like this, you know, but I had no idea that she was using heroin. I thought she was still smoking weed. And, you know, when you're not familiar with drug addiction, you think weed, yeah, weed's okay. That's what they do. She'll outgrow this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's just where I was coming from. Um, And then, you know, I just um, could see like signs like, you know, what is wrong with her? You know, and then she's unhappy, like she needs to get out of that relationship, but nothing I would do or say to her seemed to help. And so, you know, we were just like, what's going on here? Uh, And then that you had to move back. Mm -hmm. So she moved back home with us because I, and see, once again, I don't know, like she keeps saying she doesn't have any money. And I'm like, how does this girl not have any money? So I do a budget with her. I sit down and we go over this budget and she's spending $20 a week at Starbucks. Well, that's what I thought. And I'm like, you got to knock that off. Like, you know, you can make coffee at home. So it just went that route. And, you know, I'm like looking at what she makes a month and her bills. And I'm like, this just doesn't add up. Still not really thinking, you know, that she was that involved in her addiction. All right. When did you when did you when did you have the realization or actually realize that she was addicted to drugs? To the heroin. Well, her um, brother was getting got married in September of two years ago, and Emily was in the wedding. Now, meanwhile, she had moved back home with us. And she had lost weight, and I was like, wow, you know. And I noticed, like, when I cooked dinner, she didn't, you know, like at dinner time, she didn't eat a whole lot, and she kept complaining about these migraines. So I'm a massage therapist, so I'd be working on her neck and shoulders and her head trying to get, you know. And then I said, I think you need to go see maybe somebody for your headaches. Um, But before she actually moved home, when she was living in her apartment, my husband actually owns the apartment that um, she lived in. And so the one day he saw her car there and she should have been at work and uh, just a couple things like that. So he goes knocking on the door and she never answered the door. So he went out to her work and her boss is like, I haven't seen Emily for like a week or so. Really? Okay. Another reason why she doesn't have money. So like things were just starting to fall apart here. And then finally I said, you're going to have to move back home because you're not going to live in your dad. You got to pay, you know, whatever's going on with you, you know, so that she came back and, um, and so then she got what at work that FMLA, they put her on and some days she would be home here and, I was like, I don't know. And, like, I just didn't know, like, the symptoms. And I'm thinking it's all from the migraines that she gets. Right. So the wedding, okay, so now it's time for the wedding. And um, it was three hours from here where they got married, where they live. Rehearsal dinner or rehearsal, 6 p.m., no Emily. And she was bringing my nephew along with her. Well, I'm just curious. So she gets there. I can't even talk to her because this was a consistent thing with her also, that she was late. She wouldn't show up for things. And I was just like, this is it. She's crossed the line, you know. So I'm not going to get involved that night or on Saturday because we have a wedding and we want this to be all good. But at the wedding on Saturday, I noticed that Emily was 
Um, she looked beautiful, by the way. And my, <laughs> after this, my girlfriends were all like, you're kidding me. She has a heroin problem because she looked absolutely gorgeous at that wedding. I'm like, yeah, well, this is the way it goes. But she, um, that night at the wedding, like, I noticed she seemed to, like, be excessively drinking. And she just seemed weird, like, just the whole way she was acting. And she, I mean, she was dancing and everything, but it, there was just something. And every time I saw her, she had a drink in her hand. And I'm like, I think you might be overdoing this a bit, you know. And so uh, wedding goes on and things are great next day. So she spent, um, she was staying with her sister and my husband and I headed back home sometime late Sunday afternoon. And she was feeling pretty bad, didn't really come home. I don't think she got home till late that evening. So a couple of days later, um, so my nephew that she was to take was so upset that they were late and they missed rehearsal. And um, a couple of days later, I'm with my sister, who is the mom of my nephew. And she says, I just want to tell you something, like what happened with why, you know. So she said, there was no reason why they shouldn't have got there on time. But Jake said they came to the house and that some guy showed up at your house so we have a, we have a camera I'm like really I'm like hmm so and she goes Jake thinks she was buying weed okay so I say to my husband check the camera and sure enough there's somebody I've never seen before whatever and I'm like wow now she's really crossing the line and uh, she was out on the deck because she had had a headache, didn't go to work that day. And my husband and I are in here. And she came in, and he looked at her, and he said, do you want to tell me why you did not make rehearsal? And she looked at both of us, and the next thing she just melted, started crying, and hit her, like put her head down on the counter, and she goes, I really need your help. And I said, well, what do you mean you really need our help? And I'm sorry, this is so emotional for me. I understand. And she, she goes, I have a problem. And I go, okay. And she goes, I have an addiction problem. I'm thinking alcohol because, you know, and I'm like, all right, what, Emily? And she goes, heroin. Well, oh. that was it. Like, I just started crying and I didn't. I just knew what heroin was like, and I knew the addiction with it, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And so I just hugged her, and I'm like, all right, we need to get you help. This is a problem. So she knew she had already been looking, and she knew she needed help. And uh, so she finds a place. First place couldn't take her for, like, a week, and it was out of state, and Da da da, and um, I'm like a week. I'm like, you're gonna withdraw. I have no idea how to do this. Yeah, what are you gonna do for you know? a week? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I knew how I know how to detox, like with a sauna, because I have a sauna that I use for detoxing. But I had no idea. So I'm like, that's not gonna work. So she did find a place, uh, like an hour from here, and. They said, we can get you in two days, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we take her down. This is it. Like, my husband and I have no idea. We're like, this is it. She's going to be in there 28 days, and she's going to come out. She's going to be healed from heroin over or addiction, and light's going to go on. Emily's going to go back to work. We're going to be one happy family again. And, you know, so take her down there. Um, and you know, finally they get her in and then they talked to my husband and I and said, you can see her one time while she's here, but you have to take this six hour class. I think it was before you can do all that. Okay. So the next day, like, you know, we're doing like what we have to do. We sign up for the six hour class. And um, meanwhile, no contact with her at all. I'm not allowed to have any contact. And we go down to the six hour class. And that's when the reality set in of what this addiction is really like. 
because people there, this is not the first go round. Like my husband and I thought in 28 days, she's going to be fine. Yeah. Okay. We go to this class and find out these people, their, their children have been 10, 12 times in rehab. Wow. And yeah. (laughs) And so I'm crying. I'm crying through the whole class. Yeah. I can't even believe this is happening to us. I can't believe this is my daughter. Like, and everything that we talked about, like with addiction, and I kept saying, don't ever, like with heroin, because that's really bad, Emily, that will, that can kill you. One dose of it can kill you. Right. So in this class, such an eye opener. And I was just like, still naive, because I'm thinking that's not going to be my daughter. She's going to come out of here and going to be hunky-dory so she did do well there made a lot of progress um picked her up 28 days later because the insurance said you got to go get her and brought her home and she was on this great pink cloud for what emily two months yeah like three months yeah and uh so mind you though this first rehab just wanted to you know, shove a bunch of pills down my throat though and be like, Oh, well, how how about you try Prozac? And like I was like, I don't I've never even been on an antidepressant or anything, but I was like, Oh, well I'm like super depressed. Like that's why I'm using drugs though. That's part of the reason. So I was like, Yeah, sure, like anything to like, you know, not make me feel the way I feel right now because like right now I'm now I don't have drugs and now I still want to kill myself. So I was like, Yeah, let's try that. Well, Prozac made me feel like I was, like, Superman, though. Like, I felt like I was untouchable. Like, I was constantly, like, talking. But, like, like there's, like, 300 thoughts going through my mind. And, like, it was just, like, crazy. So, like, as soon as I left there, I was like, yeah, I'm not taking these anymore. Like, these make me feel, like, out of control. Like, but, yeah, so, like, I had a good, like, three months probably at home. And, like, I was happy. But, it, like, it's my first time getting sober, too. So, like, I was just, like, so happy not to be on drugs and, like, but nothing, that rehab never actually really fixed anything or got to any of my core issues. So, like, all they did was get me off drugs, try to put me on another drug. And then, you know, it's like in three months' time, I was right back to where I was. I was super depressed. I was lonely. I felt, like, out of control of my life again. Like, you know, I, I, like, I was back to, like, having suicidal thoughts. And, like, I just, like, I felt like, you know, I felt like I was never going to beat this. And, like, Every morning when I take a shower, I'm like, I'm just going to be a heroin addict forever. Like, I'm going to end up being a heroin addict forever because there's no way I can beat this. Like, I can't beat, like, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never, I'm never going to get past this. I'm, I'm just doomed to be sad and be a heroin addict forever. Like, this is going to, this is what's going to kill me. And like, you know, I always said, like, I was going to die by the time I was 27 or whatever. So, I mean, I'm 26 now. So, yeah. you know, at this point, though, I don't, I don't think that anymore. I think I'm, you know, going to live a good, long, happy life at this point. (laughs) But how sad that you come out of a rehab with that viewpoint. I mean, it, 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 uh, anyway, I mean, I'm sure that happens with a lot of people that, you know, we, I don't get to talk to and that don't, you know, do the Narcanon program, but okay. So you did that rehab and you were clean for three months. And then what happened after that? Um, so I relapsed obviously and went back to using heroin and, um, well, let me just for one second. So in this time, then I could see changes in her and I was like, okay, things are not going well. She's back to being depressed. She's not. And I came home the one day and I said to my husband, listen, we need to find, okay, so I'm all about more approaches of holistic. So when they put her on the Prozac, I was anti. I'm like, no, like that is, does not solve any problems. Right. But, you know, here we are. And so I said to my husband, we need to find a holistic, like a place that is going to work with her. Now, at the time, we didn't know that she was going back, going to be using. And we thought, you know, she was clean and so I was just like looking for somewhere that she could go like for 30 or 60 days where they just help her with her self-esteem and, you know, and that's kind of like what I started to look for. And then that's when Arizona came into the picture, her friend there and went to a rehab out there. So go ahead and tell that part of your yeah. Arizona story. At least in the, the time that I, the short time that I was sober, 
um, my best friend, um, she, we had been using together and, um, she has a son and that like, I just adore him. And I mean, I adore her. And, uh, during my short time of getting sober though, when I came home, she avoided me for like my first couple of days home. And I thought that was like really weird. I was like, why wouldn't my best friend like want to see me? Like I'm sober, like I'm, you know, doing good. Like, this is weird. And then when I finally saw her, I was like, okay, now I realize why she didn't want to see me. Like, she's 100% still using. Like, um, so fast forward a little bit, it was Christmas Eve. Some stuff happened with her and her son, and it really, it really concerned me. Like, I was worried for her and her son. So I actually went to her parents and was like, hey, like, she's using, like, she needs help. Like, you know, I just, and, you know, they kind of already knew especially when I went to rehab for the first time, they're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, this is definitely, you know, happening. Like she needs help. So they found a place in Arizona and that's where she went there New Year's Eve. And uh, so I was like, okay, like, awesome. Now she's getting help. Like, it's going to be great. But like, as soon as she left, it was almost like, okay, like I almost had like a void, like, so I was almost, like, codependent on her or something like that because, like, we had been with each other, like, almost every day. So it was just, like, and then now I wasn't seeing her son anymore. And, like, it was just, like, way weird. So, yeah, so then, like, when she left, like, pretty much as soon as she left, like, I had started using again. And um, then, actually, my other best friend that still lives here, I went to her house one night for dinner and it was my favorite it was pork and sauerkraut and like I didn't like even eat it and she just kept asking me she's like are you okay dude like are you okay and I was like yeah like I'm fine like I'm having a rough day like I'm just like really sad like I don't know I'm just like I'm just not feeling myself well the next day she texted me and she's like are you sure you're okay like something just seems really off and I was just honest with her I was like no like I relapsed like I don't know what to do. Like, I just, like, I can't break my family's hearts again. Like, I, I can't do that. Like, I can't watch, I can't go through this pain again. Like, I can't. Well, her just being as awesome as she is went to my parents, like, right away, even though, like, my parents never told me it was her, but I knew because she was the only one that I told. Um, so, yeah, so then I came home and my parents asked me and I denied it. I was like, no, like, I didn't relapse. And my mom's like, okay, well, we're going to drug test you. And I passed it, yeah. which I just still to this day don't know how that happened. And wow. then I was like, and then, you know, I wrote it in my O-dub that Narconon about how I lied. Because then I was like, see, I told you I'm sober. I told you I'm not using drugs when in reality I was. Um, so, but then that all kind of started because then the next day they took my car keys and that just was a blow up. Like I was like screaming and I was slamming doors and my mom was crying and my mom was swearing and my mom never swears. And like, and I was like, I just, I just need to get out of here. I just need to get away from Pennsylvania. Like I, I, I can't, I can't be here. Like this is like Pennsylvania is my problem. Like I need to go somewhere else. Geographical change. Like that'll solve everything. Mm-hmm. And since my best friend was out in Arizona, I was like, that's perfect. Like she's already established out there. She's doing really good. Like this is going to be great. Like, you know, I'll just, you know, get out there and, you know, she'll plug me in and it'll all be great. So then when it all came up that I was using and stuff like that, um, we actually, I actually ended up going to the same rehab that she went to out there. And there's this like, uh, you're in like a, they have like phases at theirs. And the first phase is like 30 days. It's like, you know, no, nothing. Like it's just, it's like a normal rehab, I guess. And then, like, the second phase, though, like, you get your phone back and you have a little bit more freedom. You can, people can come pick you up and you can go out and different stuff like that. And then the third phase is you live in, like, sober living or on your own and you just go to, like, an IOP every night. And, you know, I got out there and I was like, this is going to be great. Like, new state, like, you know, another rehab, like, this kind of sucks. But, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a heroin addict. Like, I I just, I don't want to be that person. Like, I know I'm. I know I deserve better and like, I know I can be better. And just same thing with that. I mean, that rehab was like, you know, I met a lot of great people there and like, they were very helpful, but like, same thing. They just wanted to tell me I was depressed. They wanted to tell me I was bipolar. They put me on these antidepressants, antipsychotics, mood stabilizer, like, and I had bad reaction to every single one of them. Wow. Um, Like the, the one, um, Seroquel actually gave me a rash 
all over my entire body and it was so itchy and so painful and I actually like ended up getting like a fever the one night too and so then like and they put me on like 600 milligrams and then just went from that to zero and so like it was just it was just chaotic like and is this this is the rehab in Arizona right yeah yeah okay yes and um but you know I felt like I was getting better there because I was like okay my best friend's sober though like we're doing this together like and you know I did um they they're big AA out there and you know CA and you know nothing against that like it's helped so many people and like you know I you know whatever you can to be sober like do it like I'd rather see people alive than out there using and dying but um so I started doing that and I got sponsor and everything and like it was good but like Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. If you would like further information on the podcast, or if you would like to reach out to us, go to our Facebook page, which is called the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. If you would like further information on Narcan on Suncoast, you can call 877-339-3324. That's 877-339-3324. It was just like, I still, I still hated myself. I still, um, you know, I was still miserable and like, I still deep inside in my core, like I was like, I still hate myself. I still want to die every day. Like I still, even though I'm sober, like I still, everything else in my life feels wrong. Like I still, now I'm only, now I'm 2,500 miles away from my family. So I'm like, now I feel disconnected from my family I can't even really you know make amends to them because like you know I'm far from them now like I can't I can't even see them and show them that I'm doing different um you know just it just seemed like everything was still wrong even though I was sober wow and then it it just and then me and my best friend got a place and like that was cool though because we're like okay yeah we always said we were gonna live together we always wanted to live together like this is gonna be great and then um, her son came to live with us, and I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, this is, like, awesome. Like, this is what, like, I always wanted. Like, I'm living with my best friend and her son, who I adore. Like, this is going to be great. Like, then I got a job, and I was like, okay. I was like, things are coming together, I guess. But, like, it just it, – it never really was coming together, though. Um, it just, like, even though it felt like on the outside everything was coming together, like, Deep to my core, everything was still falling apart, and I was still crashing and burning, even though, like, it seemed like I was doing so great. Wow. Well, one of the things with um, the first rehab, to backtrack a bit, um, when we found a support group, my husband and I, and we went to a couple of them, and... I was literally depressed after every meeting, and so was my husband, because some of the addicts would come also. And first of all, like, for them to say their name and that, you know, they're an addict, I just couldn't jive with that. I was like, no, you're not. But what I start to see happening is that that, for a lot of these addicts and the support that we went to, that was their beingness. That's all they knew how to be. Right. And it's like, you're so much better than that. Like, you know, but they couldn't see that. So it was very difficult. So about after the fifth meeting, I think, that we went to, we walked out and my husband looked at me. He goes, I cannot go back to these. (laughs) And I go, me either. You know, so we knew, you know. And then when Em was in Arizona, I went out to visit her. And we went to, that was the first time I ever went to, like a, AA meeting and for her at that time because she was wrapped up in it and like I said they work for some people and it's great and if it keeps them from being an addict or that's awesome but for me I didn't quite get that feeling when I was sitting in there I still felt like some of them were there just kind of like a horse thing but still not really knowing that this was their, what was really going to help them. And, um, and I felt very sad uh, when I was at 
you know, the meeting. And so, I mean, that's just like that part of it. And then, uh, yes. And then when she, you know, and it seemed like she was making advances out there and everything, but when she moved into the townhouse and was working and then I could tell like just by talking to her that things were not good. And then she said to me, I'm really depressed. And I said, well, you know, you're locked in to July for this condo. You're 2,500 miles away from home. We've dumped a fortune into between the rehab and, you know, helping her to live out there till she could get on her feet. So it was very, very frustrating for me because I really was like, I don't, I don't know how to help her. Right. And then we went out to see her again and the whole family went except Mary Lee couldn't go that time. So her brother and sister-in-law and my husband and I, and we had a nice time. We did some, you know, went to the Grand Canyon and a couple different things, um, Sedona and, I mean, enjoyed, um, but I could still see something about her then and uh, met her neighbor and thank you for her neighbor because the neighbor then contacted my son after we were out there and he said, she said, please call me. And so uh, Dane called her and um, she goes, your sister has relapsed and she's using and she, I know how much as a family you love her because nobody comes 2,500 miles to see their child. She goes, my parents live here and they don't come see me. So she said, I know they care about you, Emily. And I'm, she told Emily, I'm telling your parents. Right. So I text them and I'm like, hey, are you working today? And she knew and she called me. And then I said, listen, don't be, I said, did you relapse? And she said, yes. And that's when we tried to like get her help. She's on the state insurance. And so I called the rehab that she had gone to. I said, can you help her find a place with the insurance that she has? Um, Suggested some places. And then that just turned into a fiasco because, Emily wasn't sick enough, according to the state insurance, that they could keep her. Great. They, even though she's using heroin, um, they they can't keep her because she didn't fall into their point system. And so at that point, we don't know what to do. Here I am. I'm crying. I'm let you know. And then that's when I called where she went. Um, so Emily then called the owner of where she was at. And... You know, I owe him, at least he got Emily off the street because he called her and he said, I have a place for you. Come here. It was that night. He said, come here at nine o'clock or whatever. I'll have a place for you and gave her full scholarship, as they call them. So I was very thankful because at least he got her off the street. Right. Meanwhile, that's when I started to say to my husband, this is it. We are finding something else we're finding another type of rehab this is not working for her something's not clicking and um so in california i know a girl who um so i do uh nutritional balance which is about minerals in the body and that's where i was very familiar with sauna detox Mm -hmm. and kept saying to my husband she needs to detox her body we need something to get her detox we you know and so uh, Nikki's in, in California, I email her and I'm like, do you know of any more of a holistic approach to drug addiction, da, da, da. And she sent back narconon.org. Um, I know people that have gone there. She goes, it has saved their life. Literally, she said, has turned these people around to where they're different people. And she goes, highly recommended. Thank you. So I get on the website and your little chat thing, the little chat thing comes up, you know, and I didn't really chat with anybody at first. I just wanted to get a feel for it. Um, and then I saw there was one in Florida and that was closer because 
I didn't want to be sent, you know, out on the West Coast again. Right. So called Suncoast, and I believe I talked to John first. And um, so he gave me a lot of good information and just talked about it. And then I said, well, then we had this wedding coming up, and the rehab out in Arizona was willing to keep her until she would come home to go to the wedding, which was like 30 days, I believe. And John was very helpful in helping me to see what really goes on with addiction in the body, with heroin being in her in her fatty um, tissues. Right. And, yeah, and so he was like, okay, you can do that. But the more she stays in a traditional rehab, she's going to be drugged. And, you know, just on, and he goes, and it's going to be a lot harder when she gets here because Emily was on board with going. Cause I said, I found this place in Florida. I go, Em, it's, it's a dream come true for me. Cause it's all about sauna with detox. And I go, you know how big I am about that stuff. I go, this is it. This, this is it, you know? And we were just trying to figure out like the whole, you know, and then with her, you know, sister's wedding. Um, so ended up, John talked with him. Then I saw there was a location in Michigan, which is definitely closer to us. Uh, and so I called there, but that happened to go to the central in California. And I guess they were relocating that, so they weren't taking anybody there. Okay. And they said you know, Florida would be, you know, the closest. And um, and they were very good about, like, you, if this was my daughter, I would not wait and then I was like but her sister's getting married and like this whole thing like she's and it it was you know sometimes reality is hard but um he said you have two daughters right now he said if you wait and you bring her home you may only have one daughter right. because you keep, keep her under lock and key before she gets here said I told them explained you know I said I just feel this isn't working for her we need great I said but I really need you to get her a ride to the airport (laughs) (laughs) I said because I I want to make sure she gets there and um so what we agreed because she was very homesick so we agreed that she was going to fly in on Friday and so she came home for uh Friday night and Saturday night and then Sunday uh, my husband and I went down with her uh, and took her to Narcanon and um, had no idea. I mean, I just what I learned online and from Nikki, and I'm like, this just sounds like what she really needs. And Emily was very open to because she liked the idea of what, you know, they were offering there. So go down and and I, you know, I just felt, um, I mean, I still had some reservation about it because I, you know, it was a little bit of, I'd never heard of anything like this. So, but I just knew when I heard that they do the sauna, I was like, this is what she needs. And then that's when I did, you know, start to research a little bit more about it. So, you know, brought her in and, um, we stopped back on Tuesday before we headed back to Pennsylvania and said bye to her. And I said, I just know this is the place that's going to change your life. And we cried. It was very hard again. Once again, I'm just like, but after Emily, the, what it was it the first week I couldn't hear from you, I believe is how the program set up. But anyhow, but from that point on, she called me like every day and it was like a totally different person. I was like, who is this girl? Like, where's Emily? <laughs> I mean, it was, my heart was just so happy, like every day listening to her and the strong sense and just really starting to know who she was and where she wanted to go and that drugs was not going to be part of her life anymore. And the fact that she called me every day and she said to me, I'm doing this because I'm making up for all the times that I should have called you and I never did. Oh. And that, no, it was so, <laughs> so touching. So I was just blown away by the change because 
obviously we had not seen that in the first or second rehab. Right. Um, and, you know, to this day, Emily tries to explain some of it, but it's okay. Cause I might not ever understand it, but she helped me because the one day she said to me, I was getting a little scattered brain about all this stuff. And she goes, uh, you're not in the moment. Oh, <laughs> not, not time. you're not in so, present time. Right. Yeah, so all the things that she's learned from Narcanon, just not on how to beat her addiction, but like how to live her life. Right. And that's what I think is the key. It's the difference that it makes her believe that she can be not just a drug addict. And I can't drive that point home enough because that to me was the difference. Uh, that and that they clean the body up. Cause she said to me after she was in sauna, I don't know, like 10 days or something. She goes, I can't get over how my brain thinks. She goes like my, I'm so clear thinking. Right. You know, yeah, it's amazing. It is just amazing. Um, so we have just been pleased. Um, I got my daughter back, and she's definitely awesome now to live with. I mean, she's just such a whole different person. And wow. I'm truly truly will always be thankful for the program there at Narconon. And I mean, I promote it and talk about it as much as I can. And I said to Emily, you know, maybe here in PA, we need to start some sort of, you know, getting the word out and, you know, let's just talk about it. And, it, you know, I don't want it to be ran like a, a meeting where I just want it to be free and open. Mm-hmm. So maybe in a couple months here, we can start to, to get something together. So I think think it's a great idea. Emily, when did you know for sure um, in the Narconon program, when was it, you know, clear to you that this was different and that you were now, you were on the upswing, so to speak? Um, I just want to backtrack real quick though. So um, when I was still in Arizona, um, like Thanksgiving rolled around and it was probably like, one of the most like heartbreaking holidays for me because like it was just me and my best friend and her son and it was just like I FaceTimed my family and like it was just like I I was just like this is never gonna work like out here like I miss my family too much and then not too long after that there was a two-week period where I actually didn't leave my room for two weeks um and because I had a bathroom connected to so I literally just all I did was lay in my bed and leave my room and you know my friend would come in and she'd be like are you okay like you want to go do something and I was like no like I I can't like I can't even get out of bed like and like at that time like too like I was like sick and like I had an upper respiratory infection and then I lost my job and you know I just I couldn't figure out like that was a low point for me and I was like I'm like I'm gonna I was like I'm either at this point gonna use again and or like I'm going to commit suicide because I was like, I, like, I can't do this. Like, I'm so heartbroken in my life right now. Like, I don't know what to do. And then I came home for Christmas and like, it was great though. I was home for a week. I was around my family. Like, you know, I was in PA, I got to see snow and I was like, you know, this is like, (laughs) this is great. Like, I was like this, like, and then like I, two days after Christmas, one of my friends passed away though from an overdose and at that point in my life, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was just like, I, like, how am I supposed to like, I I don't, I don't know how to do, how to help my pain other than to use drugs. So it was like the day I got back to Arizona, like I had started like picking up and like using and it progressively just got worse this time. Like, um, you know, like it, to the point where like I was smoking it out there and like I was having asthma attacks. Like I thought I was going to die from like a heart attack or something just from like the, cause it's all black tar out there. And like how, like I just thought it was just, it was awful. Like it was just a mess of damaged things like one after the other. And then, you know, I started shooting up. So my, like on my veins were destroyed. My arms were all bruised. Like I just looked awful, like, in such a short amount of time, like, I had destroyed everything all over again, and, like, it was just crazy, like, how much, like, how fast 
like you can destroy everything and so like then like you know my mom brought up narcon and like i was like yep just take me there like i'm down to try something new like sauna yep vitamins yep all all for it i was like <laughs> sure just just get me there like i guess like but at first like because i thought i still got to go to my sister's wedding and like um honestly like at one when, when this was all coming about too like um my mom had me call my sister and her like what was happening and she was like honestly she's like m when mom called me this time she's like i thought she was going to tell me that you were dead oh that right there like broke my heart and yep. then when i thought i had to also miss her wedding it, it sucks and it still sucks a little bit but at least I know that I missed it because I was doing the right thing. Right. I wasn't out there using and I wasn't dead. So it's going to still be hard to forgive myself for that one. But um, so once I got to Narconon, like I got there and I was like, great, just another rehab. I was like, same thing is going to happen. I was like, this is going to suck. And I was like, I have to be away from my home again. I was like, why can't I just get my life together? Like, why? can't I beat this? Like, same thing, same thing, same mindset. Like, I'm just going to be a heroin addict forever. I was like, I'm either going to die from the needle or I'm going to commit suicide. So I was like, I'm never going to beat this. <clears throat> so I get to withdrawal and I was in there for like <laughs> six days and like, that was fine. But like, and like, I wasn't like withdrawing when I got to Narcanon. So it wasn't so bad, but like, I still got sick one day and I was like, what the heck? I was like, this, freaking sucks i was like i'm in rehab and this sucks i want to leave i want to leave i was like nope I, I can't do this can't do this but stuck it out started the sauna in the first like seven days sucked so bad i was like <laughs> so, so scared that yeah. like i was gonna fart and yeah. like <laughs> like you know bad things were gonna happen in the sauna and i was just like oh man but like and everyone said, though, like, oh, just stick it out. Like, once you're in there for, like, two weeks, like, you, you'll start to feel better. And I was like, yeah, okay, right, right. That's what, like, everyone says, blah, blah, blah. Well, I got to, like, my 10th, 11th, 12th day, and, like, there was just, like, a shift in me. And, like, it was just, like, I could just breathe better. My body didn't hurt anymore. Like, my muscles felt, like, so relaxed. I was sleeping like a rock. Wow. And that was like probably one of the best things because like I never slept when I was using like and even if I was sleeping I was really just nodding out so it wasn't I ever actually like getting into that deep like you know sleep that you need to like rejuvenate and everything so right. like oh like it was just some of the best sleeps I've ever had like and at first when I got there I had two roommates I couldn't I never even like heard them and I would go to sleep at like 10 o'clock and I was like what is going on I was like, <laughs> I was, like this is like incredible though like and, um, and like, I just like started to like, you know, feel better, like mentally and like knowing like what I wanted to do and like where I was going. And like, I could just, I could see like that there was a shift happening in me, but I was like, okay, like, you know, my body's just starting to feel better. Like, you know, this is, you know, like, this is, this is cool. Like I, I dig this, like, <laughs> and like the second, <laughs> like, or the second, third, like the part of the Narcanon program, like so hard to explain to people, but that is seriously like the like meat and potatoes. Like that is what like it's so hard for me to explain to people and like but that is really what changed like my mindset and helped me like see me for the first time and you, actually like not hate myself. Like So you mean I the actually, objective the objective drills, right? The objectives, yeah. Right. And we've talked, we've talked about them on the podcast before. And, you know, just to explain to anybody listening, the whole purpose of the objective drills are to get um, your attention off of the past, and also off of everything that's happening internal and more onto your environment and more like your mother said, you know, in present time. So you can go ahead and talk about it. But we've talked about what the objectives are. So keep going. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it was just like, that is really what like changed, like that helped me like, 
I don't know. Like, it was just amazing. Like, I could just, I could, I finally felt free almost. Like, a true free feeling of, like, just being able to be me. And that, like, I could just, you know, talk and, like, openly communicate with people. And I didn't have to be afraid of who I was. And, like, it, it was just, like, it was such, like, a beautiful thing every time something happened in that. And, like, I remember the first, like, the one objective we were doing. And I was looking at myself in the window. <laughs> And I could see myself and I like really saw myself for the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, this is incredible. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm me. And like, <laughs> I just felt like so like happy. And like, I felt like, like that was like one of the most freeing moments like I've ever felt like, it, cause for so long, like I just, I hated myself. I hated everything I did. And like, I was like, this, like this, like, I felt like I could do anything after that point. And from there like everything I mean the whole program was awesome but like from there like it was just amazing and like I mean life skills just like really set me up to like leave there and like you know I'm just like I'm not afraid to go anywhere now like I used to be afraid of certain places here and like you know like you know avoid things and like now I'm just like I just feel so free and so disconnected now from the drugs and like my using that like I'm it's like just a whole like 180 like I just feel I don't know it's just such a freeing and incredible experience to be able to like just be me these days and not try and be some hidden person from heroin yeah well wow and well done you because you know I know that the Narcanon program is not an easy program but the benefits at the other side are huge you know, yeah. you it it's such a simple thing when you say, I feel like me, but it's so unbelievably powerful. And, you know, it's what, it's what, you know, it's why Jason and I do the podcast, because we want that, obviously, for everybody that's listening, and anybody that's listening that knows someone, you know, who's addicted. I mean, that's what we're going for, you know, is for people to have the same kind of wins that you had. Well, I think another thing as... Um, coming from my point as the parent, one of the things that I felt with Narcanon that was really great was the support from the workers there, from the people there. And anytime, if there was one, I mean, no hesitation whatsoever, call them. I mean, they gave you your, you know, the numbers, the text, like, you know, if you need this, like if there, you want to know something about what's going on with Emily and even sometimes I got texts with, like, papers that she had wrote that were unbelievable, like, her change. Yep. And they would be like, I thought you'd want to see this. Wow. And that support as the parent, you know, just made me realize what the program was doing for her. And in my heart and soul, this was the program for her. She she nailed this. And... You know, she tells me all the time, I'm never going back to the drug life. That's not my life. And, I mean, we've it's just so nice to have the time that we've spent together now. And, um, but I just think that what that whole program just has helped her realize and just the changes. And, like I said, I love what they offered also to the parents, not just, you know, for the addict that came in there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, but you, because you guys are part of the whole recovery. I mean, you just have to be, do you know? Mm-hmm. So I know that, you know, I know from Jason that, that, you know, you guys are an integral part of the whole program. Emily, when did you graduate? Uh, August of 2018. Awesome. Just a couple months ago. Did I meet you? I probably met you, didn't I? That's what, right before you called, I was trying to think, because I was like, I was like, I know, like, because the one big graduation they had, I didn't graduate, but I had made a speech. Yes. And I can't remember if I had met you after then, though, because I swear it was you, but you told me you were a clapper. I told you I was what? (laughs) I don't think that was me. Clap after like anything that you think. Oh yes, that's exactly right. That was me. Okay. 
So, yeah, and then I know not too long, right, like, a couple, like, a day or two before, like, my graduation, then you asked me, I think, if I wanted to be on the podcast. And so I think I'm pretty sure I met you twice then. Yes, little, short, silver-haired person. That would be me. Oh, yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, both of you, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story. And Linda, I will, or Steve, actually, our producer and my husband, will send you a link to this podcast, and you can share it on all of your social media. You can email it to anybody that you want to. And that basically helps because getting the word out about everything that Emily went through, everything that you went through, and how she's come out the other side and how you've come out the other side, I mean, that that definitely helps with the problem. So we will definitely share the link with you and feel free to share it anywhere you'd like to. Well, thank you. We definitely will do that. Yes. Awesome. And thank you both again for being on the podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for having us. And um, yeah, anything, you know, like Emily said, that anything that helps to get this addiction stopped, to help these people, it's just, as you know, every day you hear it. It's younger and younger and it's heartbreaking. Yep. So, yep. Yep. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. And Jason and I will be back next week when we have a very, very exciting interview with a former movie star who went down the road of addiction and is a recovered addict and is has gotten his life back on track. So you don't want to miss ne- next week's episode. We will talk to you again. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 